Jackson State's women's basketball team just caught a body. Copeland State closes strong to knock off Howard, and we take a look at UAB's history with HBCUs and why they should be considered an ally. Oh yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. I, of course, am Darian Gray, the mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports Editor. Today's episode is brought to us by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, music, movies, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. In today's episode, you know we got to give our word of the day. So today's episode is going to kick off with the word of the day, which is intemperate, meaning having extreme conditions, extreme conditions, or having or showing a lack of emotional calmness or control. I think I'm going to use that one in the first segment, honestly. I think I'm going to go ahead and get that one out of the way and temper it. So let's talk about the first segment, Jackson State's women's basketball team. We talked about them yesterday. And listen, I promise you, this was not a, it was not a precursor. It wasn't a prequel. I didn't, I didn't come in with some plan to leave it open-ended to talk about it today. I had absolutely no plans to discuss this game between Jackson State and FAMU. I truthfully didn't, especially after yesterday's episode talking about just how dominant Jackson State had been as far as women's basketball team uh, go. I didn't want to come in and just do it again. But after after last night's game, what was I supposed to do? Was I supposed to ignore the fact that Jackson State just caught a body? I mean, Bobby Schmurter would have been proud. He didn't throw his hat up for nothing. These are the type of moments that, that Bobby Schmurter threw his hat in the air and it never came back down for. Just so we could yell out that we caught a body about a week ago. This is, these are these type of moments. I've been really big into power, especially lately. I don't know if Davis McLean. I don't know if Proctor. I don't know if, if think of any lawyer you could think of. I don't think they getting them off for this case. And listen, I'm trying to be cool. You know, I'm trying not to become intemperate, right? That's our word of the day. I'm trying not to become intemperate or outrageous. But I can't help but put a, you know, a little bit of emotion, lose lose a little bit of my cool, because Jackson State knocked off FAMU by the score of 90 to 34. Yes, FAMU only scored 34 points in the whole game. This isn't... Their score at halftime, well, I hope it ain't their score at halftime because you let up 90 points, and then by halftime, you, you don't deserve to be playing. It's time to do open tryouts. But 34 points the whole game for FAMU, and they scored in the single digits in three out of four quarters. Just when I thought it couldn't get any worse, just when I thought it couldn't get any worse or any better, right, we talked about, What's pretty, what what looks good, and what's beautiful, or what's ugly. It just depends on which side you're on. But when I just, I thought it couldn't get any worse than averaging a margin of victory of 28 points. 
eventually it has to come down. Man, that margin of victory average is just skyrocketed because they knocked off this team by 56 points. 56 points. That is ridiculous. I've seen some teams not even score 56 points in a game. So for Jackson State to beat another team by 56 points, I would think is a joke. Like, you have to be kidding me. This is domination on another level. And I want to talk about this defense. Let's open up on this defense a little bit more because this was an excellent display of defense as the team, right, held an opponent to less than 40 points in a game. That's 10 points a quarter. It's five shots. Like when you really break it down, that's five shots in a quarter that you had to make. And they didn't allow them to do that. Five shots. Ten minutes, five shots. That is an incredible display of lockdown defense. Clint, Tony Allen running down, running down the court yelling, first team all defense. That's what that was because they absolutely dominated this team again. And I think it's even more impressive when you look on the other side, you know, away from Jackson State, and you look at FAMU because I told you guys, I, I thought that FAMU would actually put up a pretty good challenge because they had Dylan Horton. And she's been phenomenal since white play started. Hasn't had less than 20 points in a game since conference play began. She's coming off of back-to-back SWAC Player of the Week award-winning uh, games. She's upped her career high three times this year already. But going up against Jackson State, she was relatively, not even take the relatively off. She was pedestrian in this game, and she is a fantastic talent. So being able to say that Dylan Horton was pedestrian in a game is one of the biggest pats on the back that your defense can get. Like I said, not less than 20 points in any game during swag play. This game, she had four points, going two for 10 from the field, shooting 20%. Both of those are worst on the year. She had never scored less than that. She had been in single digits one time before that. Was, that was seven points early in the season. That was also one of her worst shooting games. She had 25% from the field on that game. This was a phenomenal display, and you look at how they closed on how they, they closed out on her and made it to where she would not beat the team. And it was clear that fam, you had nothing else to offer for that. They had nothing else to offer as far as scoring went. Didn't have nothing to offer defensively either. 90 points. But when I look at it, let's go forward. Let's look at it forward. And the SWAC, I think that right now what you can hope for is that somebody gets close. Nobody has done it yet. There's been yet, there's yet to be a team that has been remotely close to Jackson State during the year. And the way it's looking, it doesn't seem like the scales are the scales are going to tip and you're gonna go from absolutely dominating to being upset. It can happen. That's why it's called an upset. But it can happen. It just doesn't look likely right now. I think what's the more likely of the you know, future scenarios, if we're doing a little Doctor Strange and we're just looking through all the different timelines of what could happen, I think the most likely one that we're landing on is a team getting close. I don't think that Jackson State can continue to beat every team by 20 points. Somebody has to get within single digits eventually. And I think that actually can happen coming up soon, but the benefit of somebody getting close is that now you have a blueprint. They've yet to offer even a sliver of what a blueprint to knock off Jackson State looks like. 
Alabama State got within 21 points, and that's the smallest margin of victory. That's, I'd hardly say that you should look at that game and say, this is how we're going to beat Jackson State. Now, they got the Louisiana girls coming in. They got Grambling on Saturday. They got Southern on Monday. Southern is the number two ranked team in the SWAC, only have one loss, and that loss is to Grambling, while Grambling is number three in a tie for number three with Prairie View. I think that if there, there's a the team that can maybe get it done or at least get close, I think this is your best chance. You're going against the second and third best teams. You're number one. These are the guys that, or the, the ladies that you're looking at to give you the best challenge. And if they come in and they dominate Southern the way that they have dominated other teams, you will hear about it. I promise you that. You will hear about it because I cannot allow them to dominate Southern, one loss Southern, and we not talk about that. I have to. And another thing that I really want to get off my chest and talk about is Copen State because this was a phenomenal comeback victory and ended off with a with a great buzzer beater. And we're gonna break down that buzzer beater. But first, I want to tell you guys about Bet Online because they want to wish you a happy betting New Year because it is playoff time. We're in the thick of it. We had one of the best divisional rounds ever. One of the best divisional rounds ever in the NFL. The margin of victory was so slim. It felt like everything ended off in, in a walk-off. Every game ended off in a walk-off, and one was a walk-off touchdown in overtime. Other than that, they were all field goals. This was a great time to be an NFL fan and a great time to be an NFL better. And that's where you need to go to bet online. For the new year, go to the desktop or go to your mobile website. But sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You can do football. I just talked about that. Or you can do basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, or even your favorite Vegas casino games. Just don't wait to take advantage because the earlier you start, the more money you can make in 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Right, as we keep on rolling on today's episode of Locked On HBCU, I want to talk about Copen State's last second victory over Howard. And I want to break down not just that last pivotal play, but also what led to them getting that victory, which was their ability to close games, right? So let's talk about it because that ending to Howard versus Copen State was bananas. And Copen State's down one point. Howard's inbounding the ball with nine seconds left. They're right there by Copen State's basket because they just made a free throw, right? So let's just get the context and let's set up the, the setting of the game and then also understand exactly where on the court we are because that comes back into play, right? So Copen State's trying to stop Howard from inbounding because they're down one. They need the ball. They're probably going to foul as soon as it's, it's inbounded or they're going to try to get a jump ball. Howard gets it in successfully, but Steve Settle is about to get trapped in the corner. Not really the corner, more like he was close to the corner, right? He's on the perimeter. And you can tell that they already had a play drawn up because, of course, this is the pivotal time. And that play is to throw it to Settle, let him catch it, and then throw it right back to the inbound man. It was not a good decision. It was a well-drawn-up play. I'll say that because if Brumont, who was the inbound, inbound guy, 
if he would have caught the ball, there's nobody there to stop him. He's probably going to take a couple of seconds off the clock, and he's going to go to the free throw line to shoot some free throws on the other side of the court. And that's to go up two, maybe three points. So that's the situation where you might be basically at least riding a ticket into overtime. But you don't get to do that because the ball gets tipped. And I think the speed of the trap is what really got settled. I think they expected, or at least they should have expected, that if you throw it along right around out of bounds, you're going to get trapped. And the guy who was guarding the inbound man ran over, and he trapped him from Settle's right. Yeah, Settle's right. And then the guy who was guarding Settle was on the left. The guy who was on the left who was guarding Settle was the guy who tipped the ball. And it was a, it was a, a, a pathway that was already blocked. It didn't really make sense for Settle to throw that ball other than that was already the play. Because that was already the play, it's like, okay, whatever. We're not really going to knock him. But that ball was that ball should not have been thrown, period. And there's a couple of things that I think need to go into play. And this is just not talking about Settle probably not seeing the trap being that fast and just kind of throwing it off of impulse. I don't know who had the possession arrow. Because in the... In the, in the video, because it wasn't on television. I didn't see it on television. I was able to see the, the video of this last play on, on Twitter, though. They showed the screen or the, the scoreboard up top. Neither team had timeouts. We could tell that. But I could not see who had the possession arrow. And that makes a big difference because if Copen has the, the possession arrow, okay, you kind of got to take that risk. It just makes sense. But if Howard has the possession arrow, you eat that and you just try not to get ripped. Because if it's a jump ball... Possession goes to you. That's completely different. If you still have the ball, no matter what, you eat that, you take a couple of seconds, you take the jump ball, and you regroup. You don't have a timeout, but essentially that is like a timeout where you can try to do something different and come at it with a different approach. You should probably have another play already without having to, or the coach will call it out on the sideline, right? But unfortunately, he threw that ball into a, a alley that was already well guarded. It was tipped by the guy who was guarding him. And when it was tipped, it went right to a Copen State player. Um, it went straight to him, and he went right up, and he went through the contact, made the bucket, got the whistle, went to the charity stripe, and knocked in the free throw. So now you go from in a matter of seconds from being up one with the ball to being down two. It's like, man. And... They still got a three-point shot up. They still got. They were still able to attempt something because the shot was made with around five seconds left. So they were still able to get a shot up, but it wasn't good. Um, not in the, it just didn't go in. So now you're sitting there. You lost. Uh, it's a tough situation. Like you think that you're gonna win this game because you're up one. And you think okay, we're gonna get in. We're gonna get some rebounds. At the worst, we're gonna play this this free throw game. You think that's what's gonna happen? You're gonna run. You're gonna play the free throw game and. You just try to make more free throws and play good defense and allow them to only get twos, not get threes. And it just does not happen anywhere close to that way, right? That's just not what happens. And their late game ability to close, that wasn't strictly to that that one play. And it wasn't even strictly related to the half, that end of the half. 
because right before that play, they had another three-point play, and both of these are and ones. Neither one of these are three-point shots. They're three-point plays the old-fashioned way, right? I remember when I was at TSU, we used to play that every time it was an and one. It's a three-point play the old-fashioned way, and that's what it was. And when I look at it, I say they win by two points. If you look at both of those shots, if you just don't foul, that's two less points. If both of those shots are made and you just don't foul, that's two less points. Or if they miss both of those shots after getting fouled, at best, you're looking at a tied ball game and going to overtime. It's that simple. But the ability for them to, and I'm not even blaming Howard. There's some definitely some blame. I think that that pass was bad. That pass was a bad play. But on this, it's about Copen State's ability to finish through contact, their ability to come up with the tough plays. And like I said, it's not just specifically to the end of the game. They did this, they did this at the end of the first half as well because they were down 39 to 13. That's 26 points. But then they, they were able to go on a 28 to 11 run. And now the final score at the end of halftime is 50 to 41. It's a big difference between, between being down nine points and being down 26 points. Now, granted, that 26-point deficit was with nine minutes left, so it was plenty of time to chop it away. But it's still a big difference because in a game that comes down to the wire like this, every point matters. And that 28-11 to 11 run, that was important. Just as, as big as that run or those couple of shots were and hitting those free throws at the end of the game, the, that run, that 28-11 to 11 run at the end of the first half was just as pivotal in improving the 3-1 and one in MEI play for, Cop for Copen State. It was really that simple because their ability to close in the last 10 minutes of the first half and in the last couple of minutes of the second half, they were able to avoid a loss. It's really that simple. And going forward, I want to talk about UAB because they have a history with HBCUs that I really think needs to be highlighted because they have done a phenomenal job. But first, I want to tell you guys about the Get Upside app. It's something that you need to get. You can look on the screen as soon as you open it up, right? And you can look and see, all right, how much am I going to pay for gas at this location? Because it's only at select locations. And if you're driving right now, wait till you park because we ain't texting and driving. But Go ahead, get the GetUpside app if you don't already have it, and use the promo code SCORE because you usually get 25 cents off per gallon. But when you use the promo code SCORE, you're going to get an additional an additional 25 cents off per gallon on your first fill-up, making 50 cents off per gallon on your first fill-up. It's really that simple. Who can honestly go to the pump and say, you know what, I don't wish gas was no cheaper. I can't say it. I highly doubt if you're listening to me right now, you can say it. I don't think there's anybody who is going to be saying that gas can't be cheaper. It's really that simple. And GetUpside app makes the thing that you hope and you wish for an actual reality. So go to GetUpside app and use the promo code SCORE to get 50 cents off per gallon on your first fill up and 25 cents off per gallon after that. All right, as we wrap up today's episode of Locked On HBCU, we're going to be taking a look at UAB's, which is University of Alabama at Birmingham. We're going to be looking at their recent history with HBCUs. And I think that they're a team that 
We talk a lot about people who are really about it. We talk a lot about people who are faking. And I think that UAB is definitely a part of the former. They're not one of those people who are just doing this for show. I think that they actually really care. You look at you when you look up UAB, you look up HBCUs, you'll see this this article from I believe it's UAB Blazer Media. And I don't know how officially they are connected with UAB, but I do know that they are somebody who gives out a lot of news for UAB. And I'm looking on there. They're talking about how special the Music City Classic is. I'm like, they ain't got nothing to do with y'all. But they're talking about just how special that is. And simply talking about HBCUs. I'm not I'm not that easy, okay? I might get got with a couple of infomercials and some good marketing, you know, but I'm not this easy where you just talk about HBCUs and I'm like, oh, come here, I love you. It's it's not it's not that type of situation. But it's just like, okay, y'all y'all kind of care, right? Y'all putting that in there. And then you look at last year they hosted the first ever HBCU combine. And I'm going to talk about scheduling because I want to dive deeper into that. I want to talk about that directly. In a moment, I will. But that's a more extensive topic. So briefly, I want to talk about another way that they've shown their allegiance to HBCUs, right? So we're not just going to talk about an article and we're not just going to talk about the HBCU combine, though that is a big deal. We're going to talk about that briefly and we're going to get into our main topic, which is scheduling. But UAB, UAB, they had the first ever HBCU Combine last year. 45 players all gathered so that all eyes are on them in one place. No more, well, I ain't feel like going to Alabama and going to Delaware and going to Florida and going to Louisiana, then going to Texas and then trying to make my way up north and going to Virginia. Like, it ain't none of that now. Everybody's here. They're all in one place. They collected it so that if you want to see HBCU talent, you're here. It's easy. It's much easier. You know, we always talk about that with NetSuite, right? Get everything in one place. Make it easy for me. Well, that's what you did for scouts. So I, I, I got to show respect to UAB for that. And they're not obligated to do that. Yeah, they're in a, in a state with Alabama A&M and Alabama State. But they're not obligated to do anything for HBCUs. And I don't think that they should feel obligated. So the fact that they did it, not feeling obligated, but the fact that they put on these events, to me, it spoke volumes, you know. And now let's get into the, to the scheduling. In 2023, UAB will be facing off against North Carolina A&T to open up their home schedule. And this game is a little bit different because people invite HBCUs out all the time, right? That's not That's not like anything new. But this game, they paying them 325k straight up. We know that a lot of times this is a money thing. You get you get paid to come play these games at HBCUs. We know that. But then they're also giving them a ticket share revenue. So 40% of the tickets that North Carolina A&T sells for those coming to the game goes back to the school. And I, I always hear about how these HBCUs are getting paid to play in these games, but I rarely ever hear about... Well, you're also getting this little on the backside. You know, you're also getting this little cut from the tickets on the back. I don't really hear about that often. And I thought that was great just because to me it's irregular and to me it's not the norm. So for them to do that, I felt like they were in a way kind of, you know, just looking out, giving them the funding, giving them that little extra money. 
Um, the exposure is one thing, but then also giving them the funds, another thing that HBCU need a lot. You know, we just saw Master P talking about they underfunded at Tennessee State, and I think there's a little, you know, not really, I didn't really appreciate that comment, but we know that funding is a problem, and that, that, that example is one of the ones that comes to mind pretty quick. But this isn't just a one-off for Alabama-Birmingham because they're doing that deal. I don't know the, the funds behind all of these other games that I'm about to name, but they're going to be opening up their game or their home schedule against Alabama A&M this week, or this season, excuse me, in 2024 and 2025, they'll be going up against Alabama State. In 2027, they'll be going up against FAMU. So when you look at it, UAB will be starting off their season against an HBCU five out of the next six years. And I think when you're facing some of these group of five schools, it's better for the point of view of HBCUs. This is me now. This is no longer reporting. Everything else I said before was reporting. This is me now. I think that it's just better going up against group of five schools instead of power five schools just because a lot of times you get, look at Prairie View versus Texas A&M this year. It was an absolute beatdown. It, like, it was expected to be, but you not look at it as in any kind of competition. I think that Power 5 schools are good for some of your high-profile players to be able to go up against other high-profile players and show, like Dakopi Durant getting two picks against Clemson. I think that was great for him. But as far as just the viewpoint of fans and just people in general, not scouts and stuff, just people in general looking at HBCUs, I don't think that them just getting beat down by the Alabamas and Georgias of the world is really doing much for the for the profile of the school. Yeah, you on the screen, but you just looked at it as another team that's just there to get rolled over. I think that playing a school like UAB, you have a chance to have a better game, I believe. Um, and don't get me wrong, I understand that Grambling took it to Arizona State not that long ago. Not not that long ago at all. So I'm not trying to say it's impossible to have a good game, but I do think that you look at Jackson State going toe-to-toe with ULM. I think you do look at James Madison going up to the Sun Belt Conference from the Big South. They were just in the FCS um, or from the, just the FCS level. I think that you look at these group of five schools, I think that's more so where they should be playing because you're going to put on better games. I think it's going to be closer games. You might even get a couple of more victories. It's still not going to be easy or anything like that. But I think that if you're somebody who isn't tapped into HBCU's understanding of the the culture and the, the game played, you see them getting beat down by Alabama, that don't do anything for you feeling like, oh, yeah, that we should support them. I think group of five schools having a good game. It's not even about winning, just having a good game. It's like, oh, okay, they got some talent over there. But when you're going up against Bryce Young and Jamison Williams, you might not look all that. It's just that simple. Um, so I really like that. I think it helps the way the HBCUs are viewed. I love the fact that North Carolina A&T is getting their pay up front, but then also getting that ticket share revenue. I love all of that. I think this is a phenomenal deal for these HBCUs. And shout out to UAB for being an ally, being on the side, and trying to better HBCUs consistently, whether that's pl- paying them, playing them, or putting on the HBCU combine. This is really phenomenal. I'm enjoying it, and I hope that you guys are enjoying and finding this phenomenal, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day, every day for your second listen of the day. Make sure that you guys are checking out Locked On Bets with your boy Q. 
and expert analysis from Lee Sterling. Going to give you a little bit of advice to put some money into your pockets. It's really that simple. If y'all ain't doing it, I don't know what to tell you. It's free game for big gains. So, to the next time that we hear each other, family, y'all can find me on that blue app, that bird. Yes, Twitter, at South Exclusives. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.